smells dope. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, and I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. The fun and games continue basically nonstop here in the city of brotherly love. We are in the midst of perhaps the greatest couple of weeks in this town's sports history. And guess what? The Orange and Black were even participants in this good time, winning their first two games of the season unexpectedly, I would say, <laughs> uh, over the Devils and Canucks. Man, the Canucks are just really great at holding leads, aren't they? Uh, so we're going to get into how this Flyers season has started. Of course, there's already guys on IR, all sorts of shit going on. We're going to get right to it with the introductions leading off with Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. I have an official apology to make, and it is to Kelly Hinkle, the fly-by-herself Kelly Hinkle. Are we sure that's still her she, name? We went to... It is still her name. She's the only fly-by <laughs> Kelly Hinkle. Um, on Thursday, we were at the home opener together, and she was absolutely convinced that they were going to win that game, and I was absolutely convinced that she was a lunatic, and I was wrong. I was wrong. This is my formal apology that Kelly Hinkle has optimism that is very rarely wrong. And this is, this is my apology. This is my mea culpa. Kelly was right. What else is no? <laughs> <laughs> They're winning the cup. What else can we say? <laughs> I mean, they're, they've won their first two games yeah. and I'm, I'm, if they win the re- the rest of this week, I'm going to have I, to reevaluate a lot of my life. I mean, yeah. I'm going to have to reevaluate everything I think about the fucking sport if they win the next two games. Yeah, pretty much. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Hey, everybody. Uh, so the entire Hayden Hodson episode ended this past week. Rip. Uh, apparently, John Tortorella was just as unimpressed as we were <laughs> because he played him for four minutes in the opener. With the guy then, injured. With the guy injured. There was 11 forwards for the final two periods, and John Tortorella was like, yeah, I'd rather play 10 than see that guy anymore. <laughs> and then the next day, he was sent down. <laughs> so that lasted. He got less than five minutes, and the coach was like, Fuck, like, this is so clearly no. the front office wanted him. And he was like, okay, let's see. Uh, no. No, I don't think so. <laughs> John Tortorella won. Chuck Fletcher yeah. zero. Like, just to, it's like he was like, yeah, you get your way for five minutes. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. I actually prefer it that this happened than if they just sent so him do down I. the start. It's actually it's way funnier fun. it's like, like this. Mm-hmm. It's like gentle parenting. It's like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. We can do it your way. Yes, let's try it. And then it's, ha, ha, then, mistake was made. And then it's like their way is actually touching the pan while it's hot. 
Like, oh no, so so much for that. We'll do that again. Last but not to touch it. Last but certainly not least, the artist formerly known as the Fly Pie, Kelly. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm sorry. I this whole home. thing just tickled me to death on Twitter, and that was the weirdest <laughs> day I think I've ever had on Twitter in my life. We need and not I get into like, it. <laughs> like to never repeat it, please and thank you. Um, I went to the game Thursday with Steph. And then I went to the game Saturday as well. And both times I paid $0 for my ticket. And after the game on Saturday, I turned to my, I turned to my friend and I said, what if I go to every home game for free? Like, what if that's like my project for the season is I somehow find a way to scam someone out of two tickets for every single Flyers game and don't pay a single dollar to see them. And I might, I might actually try it. So like, if you have tickets that you want to like donate to the cause. I'll put you in the foreword of the book I'll write about this adventure. <laughs> you, should, you, should chronicle, <laughs> you should chronicle the journey, like scamming your way yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. It'd make like, a- those, like those people that sneak into sporting events. I don't think I could sneak in because I'm like a very clumsy, like obvious person. <laughs> but I could try to scam tickets off of people. That I can do. I think we have enough weirdo listeners who just give them to you. Listen, I'm not going to argue with anybody who wants to give me tickets. <laughs> All right. I don't care where they I are. Know. I don't care who you are. Are you going to travel the the world following the Flyers? Well, they don't go that many places, so they might <laughs> no North America. Maybe they go to lasagna again. I really wanted to go see them in Ottawa, but I didn't realize that that game was in like two weeks. So I don't think that's going to happen. Nah. Maybe next time. Has anyone ever really wanted to go to Ottawa? I did one time. Apparently Claude Giroux. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. only two people are Claude Drew and Kelly Hinkle. <laughs> it was for a Pearl Jam show. What do you want from me? Kelly, you know you would go to Ottawa in a second. I probably would have gone at some point eventually, but I'd never been before. <laughs> I just, uh, to start the show, I just... So, it seems like a lot of things might change with this team. Uh, as John Tortorella really puts, you know, his own stamp on the Flyers franchise. We've talked about how maybe the culture already we're seeing early returns on uh, things changing. But I gotta, I gotta say, on or before, or in or before game one, Atkinson, Risto, and Tippett all hurt. When does this madness end? When do they stop just players dropping like goddamn flies? I, I, I realize it's a contact sport, and maybe if we paid as close attention to every team as we did the Flyers, we'd see maybe something like it. But no, that's fucking impossible. So. There'd be no one left in the league. Like, <laughs> how do these things continue to happen? We have Risto and Tippett on IR already. Uh, they've made a litany of roster moves. Charlie referenced Hayden Hodgson, but already, like, uh, Zach Mack is up. Jackson Cates is up. Something called Louis Bell Pepper is up. Uh, it looks like Lysel's <laughs> back. Uh, what is this team already? It's uh, a ragtag group of underachievers, Bill. They're going to take it all the way. Underachievers. <laughs> it's a Disney, it's a an 80s Disney sports movie in the making. Get ready. There was, I think that's about it, because I don't have a better answer. There was a point, um, I want to say it was right after the final preseason game, 
and we interviewed John Tortorella in the the media room in Voorhees. And John Tortorella said something. I forget the exact quote, but you'll get the gist of it. And it was basically because it was all the players, like all the top of the lineup, top half of the lineup guys that missed the final preseason game because of some type of injury. And John Tortorella was just like, I don't know. I've never seen anything like this in my entire NHL coaching career. And it took so much for me not to just burst out laughing. Because I'm just thinking to myself, like, John, wait till you spend a year with this team. Because this ain't ever going to end. I'm not sure what we did as a collective whole to just put a curse on this organization so that everyone gets hurt all the time. But for the last two, three seasons, this has just been what happens. Like, I, as I've said before, if I was the agent of a player who was not on the Flyers, I would tell that player to put the Flyers on your no-trade list. Not because they are bad, not because the organization is inherently awful, but because if you get traded there, your career will end. You will get cancer. You will hurt your back. Your surgery will not take. You will have career-ending concussions. The worst possible thing that could happen to you will happen to you the minute you join the Philadelphia Flyers. It's truly, like, it's almost insane that Joel Farabee's been able to play. Uh, Oh my god, let's not... But everyone, like everyone else, just I, I didn't even mention like yeah, Sean Couturier with the back because that happened, you know, working out before. It, it's they're just it's it, it. There's no other. They're cursed. There's nothing else that could possibly be said. You know, like I didn't even mention Felix Sandstrom who somehow got hurt. Uh, it's just I've never seen anything like this. Like I thought maybe there's a chance we saw a lot of the bo- a lot of bottom of the roster shuffling anyway just cuz John Tortorella's straight up said I don't know who these players are. I don't have a good feel for what everyone is yet, what they can bring to this team. So I thought, yeah, so we're going to see a lot of up and down, like, you know, Hayden Hodgson plays 5 minutes and then he's gone. Shit like that. But it's a it's it's necessary now because there's no one to play. <laughs> Owen Tippett played one period. He gets hurt. I was really. They surprised. do have more depth this year. Like yeah. for example, like Oli Lixell is an intriguing prospect. They were able to call him up. That's better than calling up. And I know we have like a couple weeks of being fun. It's better than calling up Jerry Mayhew. It's better than calling up Max Max Willman. Like they have actual guys. Like Tyson Forrester. If this keeps happening, could get time. He would be fun. I don't know if he's ready, but he would be fun. He would be more fun than a career AHL. He will be up before our next show at this rate. <laughs> it's no, very possible. They, they have more, at least, organizational depth in terms of guys I care to see. You know, it, it, maybe like Sell can play. Maybe he can't. I want to find out. Like, yeah, Max Willman, we know. We know. We know. You know? So it, at least we have that. Uh, what exactly is a Louis Belpedio, though? Okay, you know what's funny about this to me? The, the, what's truly hilarious. And uh, the, the thing was is that, so th- there's a couple people on Twitter who I follow. A couple people on Twitter who I follow who will only pretty much tweet in Swedish. But like I've been on their <laughs> podcast before and they tweet in Swedish. And, I, and like once in a while, they'll throw a, 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 an English tweet. But like they're good people, so I follow them anyway. And... This one guy, like, quote tweeted something with Louis Belpedio, 
And it was in Swedish. And I swear to you, as soon as I saw like the amount of exclamation points and I knew it was about Louis Valpetio, I knew exactly what the tweet was. I didn't I don't know Swedish, but I knew what the tweet was because I knew what it was and I I, I translated it and I just started cracking up because I nailed it. I knew what it was was that this guy was saying I thought to myself, who the hell is Louis Belpedio? And then I typed him to Elite Prospects, and of course he's from the fucking wild. <laughs> of is. course he's a there Minnesota wild that Chuck had in that time. Like, and the thing is, like, whatever. He's organizational depth. But, like, Chuck, does every organizational depth guy have to be from Minnesota? Do they all have to have Minnesota connections? It's not. It's either Minnesota Wild or it's Minnesota the state. Like, can you? Is there is there anyone else? It is. Like, am I mistaken? Did these teams have a ton of success? Because we talked no. about this like two weeks ago, and I specifically remember saying they had almost no success. So, like, constantly going back to that well seems very odd to me. It's almost as if Chuck Fletcher has not a single creative bone in his it's, tiny little body. It's truly weird. It is just funny, but it, like it's I, mostly but, funny. But the point I've it's made funny. that Kelly hinted at is that it does speak to, I think, an inherent issue with Fletcher as a general manager, which is that like the the outside the box thinking just doesn't seem to be there. And like this goes back to honestly, and this isn't even something on the on the outline, but it goes back to just like a lingering conversation that we've had about like how much of this is Chuck's fault. And we've agreed that like Chuck's made a lot of mistakes. Chuck's also had a lot of things go wrong. Like a lot of things go wrong that really weren't in his control. But I do think I, I, I do think that when you have like I don't think if you had another GM that, like, these things wouldn't have went wrong. Like, for whatever reason, the Flyers right now are just kind of cursed. Like, guys get hurt and it sucks. But I do think that – I do think that maybe, maybe Fletcher is kind of, like, the worst GM for this type of situation because to have any way of dealing with this much misfortune, you need to be an outside-the-box thinker. And it seems like he's the opposite of that. So, like, rather than, like, taking big swings on interesting players, he's like, no, we need toughness, so let's sign Rasmus vs. Lion to a five-year contract. We need Louis Bell Peppers. Uh, yeah. But you, you see what I'm getting at. Yes. No, and we've—I mean, yeah, that's a conversation we've been having, Christ, for, like, 18 months now, it seems. Uh, one of the moves—I guess the biggest headline, other than all the injuries and shit, and, of course, this exciting 2-0 start, exciting— I, I, I mean, it's, hey, Windsor, Charlie. Fun, you know, before I had Charlie on, uh, on WIP after the opener, when I was hosting the overnight show, I, I had was a so tired, my, man. My I first... was so tired that night. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Uh, I had that segment dedicated to you, and then we had technical issues. I was like, no, I have nothing here. I need Charlie, but we were able <laughs> to figure it out. Uh, my first caller that night, because I came on and just said like. I'm happy for one win tonight. Just it's a night for the fans to feel good about the team. And the first guy who called the show wasn't talking about the Eagles, wasn't talking about the Phillies in the playoffs. He was talking about how I am somehow at fault for enjoying myself. 
for this one. Oh, one of those. <laughs> yes. One of those. You gotta love those you fans. Are, you are complicit <laughs> yes. in the downfall of the Philadelphia Flyers because you dared to enjoy a hockey game. Yes. You absolute monster. Like, it doesn't matter that they're gonna lose a whole lot of games this year. They won one, and that's horrible. Uh, I, I don't know what and to do. And it's your yeah. fault, you did Bill. It. I cannot believe you let this happen. But then uh, I was able to get into, when Chuck came on, I was able to get into the Travis Sanheim contract. And uh, it's just a very interesting, interesting piece. And I think it gets a little bit to what we were just saying about Fletcher's lack of creativity. Um, eight years... Six and a quarter million average annual value, uh, years one to four, full no trade, years five to eight, 12 team, no trade list, signed through 2030-31, he'll be 35 when the deal expires, so I just, what were your initial reactions when you saw this, uh, this announcement, like, what, a couple of hours before puck drop? 45 minutes, that was fun, this has been such a fun (laughs) last week for me. I, uh, uh, my reaction was, all right, until he's 35. That's good. <laughs> that was it. That was my complete thought. After my initial surprise wore off, I thought to myself, boy, Chuck really loves a no trade, doesn't he? Yeah, it's, you know, one of, think of what you will of Hextall. We were very high on him when it began, and then as things didn't materialize, at least at the speed we wanted, we weren't. But at least he never burdened them. With any of those sorts of clauses. Chuck is just handing them out like fucking candy. Like Reese's Cups on Halloween night. I mean... Well, you know what it was? Hextall made it abundantly clear in negotiations. That like, look, I'll give... I'm not giving out no move or no trade. There's one guy on this team that gets a no move, and that's Claude Giroux because he's a star and he's the captain. Nobody else gets him. That's my hard line. And the thing is, if you're consistent with that, then people, I mean, you might have to give players a little bit more money if they're not getting no trade, which I think is probably what happened with Jake Voracek. Like probably like Mm -hmm. maybe you could have gotten Voracek under 8 mil a year if you would have given him no trade protection. Yeah. Yeah, but like you weren't willing to give it to him, so you had to give him a little bit more. But like, at least you had the flexibility to move them if you wanted to. Now it's a little bit different because I think the thing that's frustrating to me about the Fletcher no trade clause stuff, it's not that he's giving them out. It's that he's giving them out without getting discounts. Like, yeah. like you gave out you gave out no trade protection to Nick Delorier and you still paid him way more than you should have. Like the Travis Anheim deal, and I'll get into my thoughts on the Travis Anheim deal in a bit because they're kind of complex. Like I kind of have mixed feelings on it. But what they essentially did with Travis Sanheim is they gave him the exact same deal, pretty much including the trade protection, as Mackenzie Weger. Now, I am a big, big Travis Sanheim fan. I legitimately may be one of the biggest Travis Sanheim fans in the Flyers ecosphere. He is not as good as Mackenzie Weger. I give Travis Sanheim's camp all the credit in the world for being like, hey, that guy just signed that contract. We want the same deal as him. I think that was a smart negotiation tactic. But if you give me the choice between Travis Sanheim and Mackenzie Weger, I'm taking Mackenzie Weger 10 times out of 10. Travis Sanheim should not be getting the same amount of money as Mackenzie Weger. He just shouldn't. Mackenzie Weger is is a no doubt about a first pair defenseman. Travis Sanheim is not. So here's the thing. Chuck Fletcher doesn't appear to negotiate. He doesn't negotiate! Like, I have a feeling that, Chuck, what you just said is what happened, is... (laughs) Is Travis Sanheim's camp was like, hey, 
we want the Mackenzie Weger deal. And Chuck was like, like, okay. (laughs) And then they just did it. Just like, (laughs) just getting back to the idea. And when Charlie said it, it really struck me. You know, Ron Hextall said, no, no moves, no, no trades. And everyone said, all right. And then as soon as you give one to Nick DeLaurier, who the fuck doesn't get one? Like, everyone's better than him. So like, well, you gave one to him. You know, like, first, if I was the, if I was a flyer, I wouldn't, I guess you get to control where you go. And after the whole Claude Giroux thing, it's like, they will really let me go wherever the hell I want to go. Uh, but I, I, you get to control that at least, but I, I just, yeah, once you give it to Delorier, who doesn't go into his office thinking I'm getting this because I get to point at the fourth line fighter and say he fucking has one. I'm a second pair defenseman. I'm going to play 20 minutes a night. Why wouldn't I ask for this? And just, it gets back to the idea of, well, you know, if we wanted to move, uh, if we wanted to move JVR, we'd have to give up the 2023 first. Would you have? You couldn't have negotiated. You couldn't have retained. Like, there wasn't anything else you could do. You had to do that, so you just couldn't do it. Like, this contract is whatever. uh, honestly, the salary structure is the thing that gri- gr- uh, that hits me the hardest because in the first it's three weird. years he's at eight point one two five million. That's an yeah, insane have, amount of money for him. Like, I, I'm interested to hear Charlie's complete thoughts on this because I also has have like complicated feelings. Like in a vacuum, whatever keeping Travis Sandheim is not a bad thing, and like what their his cap hit is like you know all right fine. But like, you know, when you take into account the whole picture, it's a little like, well, now, like now what are we going to do? Yeah. This yeah. is a question I, I want to pose to the group. Uh, we talked, I think, on the last show about the idea that, oh, you know, Travis Sanheim, pending free agent, one year left on his deal. Cam York, we think maybe could jump up and fill in that role. Now, suddenly Cam York doesn't make the team. And now I'm sure they've been negotiating for some time. No, uh, maybe not. Maybe Travis Sanheim just walked into Chuck's office and said, "Give me six point fucking whatever million dollars," and he said, "All right, here you go, dude." And you're no trade. Don't worry about it. Um, but it's kind of interesting that Cam York does not make the team, and then suddenly a guy who maybe the spot Cam York could have taken, yeah, he gets signed for the next nine years. I mean, I'll say yeah. the same thing I said on your show. I don't think they're related. I think they still think Cam York is going to be a good player. And this wasn't like a panic signing because like, oh, God, Cam York might stink. Um, that said, I mean, they clearly don't have faith. If Cam York was already a star defenseman, then maybe they would have held the line a little bit more with Travis Sanheim. That's possible to me. But I don't think this is this is like them giving up on Cam York. Or hinting. I mean, if anything, it's it's more to me a, a sign that like, hey, Ivan Provorov, you better have a good season because like we just signed Travis Sanheim, we just signed Rasmus Ristolainen, we just signed Tony D'Angelo. If we're gonna move somebody, it's probably not gonna be one of the three guys we just signed. It's gonna be the guy who has been with this team for a while and has a contract coming up in two or three seasons. You know what I mean? And I'm not necessarily saying they're gonna trade Provorov. I'm just saying that like. You see who they're bringing back. Like, who's left to trade on that defense if you're going to trade somebody? Nobody. 
I mean, I'd love for them to trade Rissalina, but they ain't going to do it. No. I find it interesting that Sanheim, a player in his prime right now, fits their timeline. I I find that very interesting. Okay, that... So so this this is where I'll get into it, because this is my issue with the sign. So I think Travis Sanheim's a very good player. I am a major Travis Sanheim defender. There, but there's a lot of things about this contract that rub me the wrong way. Number one, I do not think the Flyers got any sort of discount from a Capit standpoint by giving him eight years. I think if you're going to give a guy that much term, you should be getting some sort of discount. I think $6.25 million is about what Travis Sanheim is worth in terms of value. Like that is a like that that feels right to me that he is a $6.25 million player. That feels right. That feels around ballpark what he delivers on a nightly basis, in my opinion. If that was on a four-year deal, I'd be like, sure, that makes sense. If you give a guy eight, I think you should be getting some sort of discount for giving him the security of eight freaking years. And they basically gave him his value, but also gave him a term that is literally the max you can give a guy. So that's number one that I don't like. I don't think they got enough of a discount for going eight years. Number two, and this speaks to what Bill said, the idea of a timeline. When you sign guys in their, their, late, their mid to late 20s to eight-year deals, you do that, generally speaking. And I, yeah, there are exceptions. There are Claude Giroux who age really well. But generally speaking, you do that under the assumption that the beginning of the deal is going to be good. They're probably going to outperform. The, the the cap it you know like you got a guy who is you're paying six million a year but he's delivering eight million dollars a year worth of value and then in the back half of the deal you uh, you have the understanding that he's probably not gonna be worth six million a year but you got value in the first half this deal you're not really getting value in the first half unless he gets better which like he's 26 27 i don't know if we can bet we can bet on that so you're basically breaking even in the first half of the deal the back half of the deal is when presumably this is when your team is going to be moving into contention. Then he's going to probably be overpaid unless he ages really well. So now you've got a guy who is breaking even in the years where you don't really need him. Like, what does Travis Sanheim do for this team? Does he turn them from the third worst team in the league to the eighth worst? Like maybe, but does that really matter? No, these things matter when you're going from like a first round exit to making the second round or having a legitimate chance at a cup run. Like that's when they matter. And when that starts mattering to the Flyers, at least they hope it's going to be in a few years. And by then, Travis Sanheim's going to be approaching or over 30. And then what we know about the aging curve is that that's when guys start getting worse. So what I don't like about this deal, despite the fact that I think Travis Sanheim is a very good player, despite the fact that I think that if they had lost him next year, this defense would have went from not great to absolutely horrible because clearly Rasmus Ristolainen needs Travis Sanheim to be anything remotely resembling a top four NHL defenseman. So they did in some ways need to bring him back in the short term. My question is, how much does the short term really mean for this team when you're not close to contention? And does this make sense for the long term? It really only makes sense for the long term if Travis Sanheim ages well. And while that could happen, it, it, you're hoping. So much of this whole plan just strikes me as just them hoping. And when they yeah. hope, like, 
you're hoping when all you've had is bad luck. And also it, I mean, you're like, you're assuming that they have a coherent plan and or timeline. Like I'm they not clearly sure that, do not. Right. Like I'm not sure that they don't think that they will contest. Like they, I, I wouldn't doubt it if they think that like, oh yeah, we've got a solid three year window here. We're going to make some moves, do some stuff. Like I, I, I am not sure that they're thinking about this the way that Charlie is thinking about it because they are uh, completely insane. But like they went out before the season and they basically said like, this season is a fact finding mission year. We got to see what we have in the kids. So they're very clearly saying this year doesn't matter that much. Do they think that by next year, this is going to get turned around? Because I got news for you. A superstar ain't walking through that door next year. He might have walked through the door last summer, but hey, they didn't want him. He tried. So he was they slammed the door in his face. <laughs> so, like, who's going to be your star? Like, like who? Cutter Gautier? Is he going to be a superstar in year one? Is he even going to make the team? Is he even going to leave college? Like, we don't even know he hasn't played a college game yet. Like, when do you think this is going to turn around? Because if you were to tell me straight up that you think that this team will be good, and not just, like, 500 good, but like making the playoffs and potentially could be making noise by not next season, but the season after, I would be like, okay, I'm cool with a Travis Sand I'm signing. You think by year two of this contract, you guys are going to be like borderline contenders. I would say, yeah, I think the signing makes sense. What in the way this roster is constructed, what in the organizational pipeline tells you that by, what would that be? The year... 24 25 i guess that this team is going to be a cup contender because i don't see anything that tells me that's even remotely realistic it's it's vibes have you considered the vibes <laughs> the vibes of philly yeah. are real good right now so yeah, hey maybe the vibes things, are good. maybe we're not taking into account the the amount of just good luck that's coming this city's way it's possible. It is insane right now. The vibes are absolutely immaculate across all sports. Somehow, somehow, somebody forgot to tell me that the Phillies were these himbo gods, which they are, and it is such a delight to watch them. The Eagles undefeated. The Flyers undefeated. The Sixers. Season's not started yet, Starts right? tomorrow. Starts tomorrow, yeah. Starts tomorrow. Amazing. What a time to be alive as a Philly sports fan. So we know what happens, right? So our cocky meter is off the charts as a city. That means the rest of the world is about to burn. Yeah, probably. We know the consequences. Yeah. You forgot You forgot first place Philadelphia Union starting their playoffs. On I did. I did forget them. And it actually was a forget because they are doing really, really well this season. Yeah, number one seed in the conference. And if we didn't throw that in we'd have 20 reply tweets saying, you forgot the union! Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so See, you, you know what we need to do? What we need to do, and this actually, we might be in the one scenario where we might not be laughed out of the room. What we need to do is we need to get in touch with noted Philadelphia sports fan Jill Biden and tell her, Jill, you need to tell your husband to be on red alert for a potential nuclear strike because... Everything is working in, right in Philadelphia. So that means that you should be terrified because something in the greater world is going to go seriously wrong in the very near future. So please, like, just just let Joe know. Like, Chuck. be ready. 
Chuck, you know Dr. Jill Biden listens to this podcast. I, that would be amazing. Dr. Jill listening. Biden. Yeah. Yeah. Jill's like, yeah, let me wake him up from his nap to let him fuck. <laughs> well, listen, they already did the NASA meteor thing, and that was successful. So Yeah, the like, test. The test. They're testing. The, t- the test where the meteor was definitely not, not going gonna to hit us. Hit. Yeah. Definitely air quotes, not going to hit. But anyway, they did it. It was successful. But yes, Dr. Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, please keep an eye out because shit's about to get real. When Philly sports, all of us are enjoying this. It's bad. It's bad for the world. I mean, I I told one of my friends on Sunday morning, she was like, do you think the Eagles are going to win tonight? And I was like, yeah, of course they're going to win. It's like, how do you know? It's like, because if the Flyers can go 2-0, this Flyers team, then clearly Philadelphia sports teams are just on a run right now where they cannot lose this weekend. Absolutely. There was no chance the Eagles were going to lose to the Cowboys. On Sunday night football with the chance to go undefeated after the freaking Flyers went 2-0? Are you kidding me? No, ma'am. If there's one team that can break the vibes, it's the Flyers. And if they can't even do it, then we're golden. Luckily, they're playing games that no one will ever see on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. True. Yeah. I, I it's, it's going to be I, difficult I for me to do some post games this week. I don't know how you how you get to see television ratings, but I really need to like see how many people watch the Flyers game, particularly tomorrow with the Sixers and the Phillies yeah. playing at the same time. 14 people, four of them are us. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't think anybody's watching. It's really going to test Really going to test my YouTube TV screen limit to be able to watch multiple games. (laughs) Uh, Just real quick to wrap up the Travis Sanheim conversation. Uh, Charlie has always been a defender of Travis Sanheim. I enjoy watching him play sometimes. Um, I got to tell you, this seems like kind of a massive overpay. Like, you give eight-year contracts to fucking star players. That's yeah. with no trade clauses. Like, that's a guy you're going to build around. Travis Sanheim is a 30-point second-pair defenseman. He's aight. He's nice. Yeah. You want to have a Travis Sanheim. He makes them no better or worse. And I know that because this team has been exactly the fucking same with him on them, uh, with him on it for six years now. I Who cares, Travis Sanheim? Yeah, you go put him on a good team with a bunch of good players. Sure, he'll be cool. But uh, what what are we doing here? This is this is just going to be, oh, yeah, well, we have like an 11, 12 million bucks wrapped up in our blue line with Provorov and him. Neither of them fucking live up to that contract in any semblance, uh, like, let alone wrist line. It's just another defenseman, another defenseman getting paid a million or two more than he's worth. It, it just seems to fit a real trend here. And you have to you have to wonder what he would have gotten at the trade deadline. I bet it would have been. That's nice. the other part is we've been told that prime age players don't fit our timeline. Yet here is one. So we're gonna keep this guy and not get assets for him. Sounds good. Sounds good, Chuck. Keep up the good work up there. Uh, but they're two and zero. So hey, maybe he knows something we don't. <laughs> they didn't start four one and one last year or anything. Uh, let's, Listen. Let's take a break. <laughs> And then uh, we'll talk about, I don't know, something else on the other side. Um, I almost gave the time like I'm live, but no, this is a podcast. Uh, Yeah, we'll be back. (laughs) 
So listen, listen to this commercial, please. Welcome back, fam. I hope you enjoyed that advertisement for a product and or service. I definitely endorse it, uh, whatever it may have been. Uh, so we talked about, you know, 2014 first round pick Travis Sanheim. The uh, other Travis, Konechny, off to quite the start this season. Looks like, looks like uh, the old guy that we liked a lot. The Travis Konechny of a previous regime who we thought, oh, maybe he could be a first liner. Uh, what have we seen from Travis Konechny to start this season? Well, we've seen that a bunch of people who are really low on him for really no reason are now eating their words. So that's cool. I have really been enjoying watching Travis Konechny play hockey. He's fun. He's a fun player. Those people were low on Travis Konechny for two reasons. Two, two main reasons. And then, then it just kind of built on itself because he didn't play that well the last couple of years. But the two reasons were, first, he didn't score in the playoffs during that one run. And that got people pissed. But then it was a combination of that and also all of the people that like enjoy like having some degree of fun online like him. So they had to hate him. Like, yeah. everyone who likes stats and also the entire section of Flyers Twitter that, like, enjoys having favorite players and, like, thinking stuff is funny, like, the crew who thinks those people are just, like, bad fans had to decide that Travis Konechny was actually Satan because the people that they hate like him. Those were the two reasons why people turn on Travis Konechny. 100% correct. Nothing to do with him as a hockey player. Very little. Oh, okay, good. Very good. little. I'm glad. But he, I'm glad that we're we're now acknowledging that because well we have been forever like there's just no logic behind being mad at there there is a subsection of people on Flyers Twitter that like really don't like the idea that like some people can just like unabashedly have fun watching hockey and watching the Flyers like they hate they hate the section of like women slash like non-binary fans that just like to have fun and make like fan camps and stuff and it's wild to me how bitter that group of people on Twitter is. So I would say that it's not just women and non-binary folk. Like they also hate men who just like to have fun. True, they hate true. I just they that, hate the LGBTQ it's fair, it's fair. plus community because they don't think that their reasons for watching are valid. This is the group of people that think that only white men can enjoy sports because it's roar manly <laughs> and that's not who we are. Um, and that's also not the type of fans that we cater to, so they don't listen to this show. <laughs> yeah, right, show, exactly. Really. Um, and I'm fine with that because I personally love all of the people who watch hockey for fun. Like, oh, sports are so stupid. Sports are so stupid. Just have fun with them. They're not serious except for when they make you cry, which for the Flyers is all the time. Indeed. But, for me. But yeah, Konecki's playing well. Um, he, You know, I made this point a couple times, like the idea that he was going to keep only scoring on 7.3% of his shots for another season was always ridiculous. And mm -hmm. I didn't really understand why people didn't understand that like last year was kind of an unlucky fluke for him and that he just couldn't seem to finish on his chances. Uh, but he's playing well. You know, he's he seems like he is adjust it to a degree in terms of the type of shots he's trying to create for himself. I also have been very intrigued with the fact that he's on the penalty kill. That's been yeah. neat. Also, it seems, it's, it, is it just me imagining this? It seems like he's shooting more. I don't think he's shooting more. 
He only no. has, he okay. has six shots six in two shots games. In two that's games. that's that's three, three shots right. a game. Yeah. yeah, it's about the same but same as he shot last year. Three of yeah. them have gone in. He's shooting fifty percent. I expect him to sustain this pace. Personally, that, yeah. I mean, seems, this is going to last. I think that's either. reasonable. Yeah, reasonable this is going to last either. But Connecticut's a good player. Look, as I, I on this show, I project, projected he was going to score the most goals on the team and most points. So feeling pretty good about that thus far. He's a good player. He's not a great player, but he's a good player. I mean, just purely eye test from the two games that we've seen so far. Like he's just been very noticeable on the ice, like in a good way. Like, I feel like every time something was, you know, starting to happen for the Flyers in the offensive zone, like three out of five times, Travis Sanheim is there making it happen, which is like, you know, like you said, not what we saw last year because he was not playing well like everybody else. But um, yeah, it's been nice to see because if the Flyers are going to be good, he needs to be good. So I've just always kind of said, like, I don't dislike Travis Konechny. In fact, I very much appreciate the player he is when he's going well. He needs... And I think he's... He and Morgan Frost are the two players that potentially stand to gain the most from John Tortorella pushing them. Uh, I think Konechny just needs to maintain even when the puck isn't going in, because sometimes it just doesn't. He needs to be consistent in the other parts of his game and that includes the aggression and attitude he plays with because all those things always seem to go hand in hand. And maybe it's a chicken and egg, like when he's scoring, he's more confident, so he'll talk more shit, but he needs to be that guy all the time, even when the puck's not going in. And I think a coach that gets to know him and wants to maybe cater to the type of player he is, as we've heard John Tortorella talk, like, he wants to get the most out of what each individual can be. Uh, if he can have consistency in the role he's supposed to be in, I think that will just lead to more consistent production. Uh, but I, I know what he is. Uh, maybe, you know, if you have a really good two guys on your top line, he can be there. But he's just a really good second-line player. Uh, and we, you need them. Um, I, I, he does make watching this team more enjoyable when he's going well. He's an entertaining player to watch play hockey a lot of the time, and it's it bodes well that he's off to a good start because man, they got eighty more of these things. Uh, and if <laughs> if he wasn't going well, they'd just be a less entertaining team to watch. Yeah, and Morgan Frost also doing well, which means that. If this continues, you and I get to be extremely insufferable. Oh, well, that's that's my brand. <laughs> uh, what if this continues? What have we seen? What have we seen out of Carter Hart to start this season? I thought in game one, the first goal was leaky and then he was yeah. very strong bouncing back. Uh, what yeah. do we think overall? So uh, for me, um, in that first game, first goal was real bad. Um, he seemed to shore things up from there. The second game, I didn't like the way he looked at all. I, I felt like even when he was making saves, he didn't look confident or set. Everything looked a little bit bajiggity in that second game. Um, I don't know if I'm just imagining it or if he really did look bad. The The people that I watched the game with also kind of agreed that he didn't look 
like the Carter Hart that we, when Carter Hart is good, he just looks very solid and like in position and square to the puck all the time. And like, that's the goalie that he is. And that is, I think, what was missing from the second game in particular. He just didn't look like that Carter Hart. Well, I think there's a couple things here. Number one, um, he didn't play at all in preseason. So there's that. You know, he's kind of working himself back into, not shape, because I think he's in perfectly fine shape, but just back into a rhythm. Number two, I mean, it's two games and he has a 940 save percentage. So, like, Listen. maybe we shouldn't be <laughs> nitpicking here. Like, the Flyers, we really didn't talk about, like, how the Flyers have actually played in these two games. Like, they didn't outshoot or outchance the other team in these games. Like, mm-hmm. they were outplayed in both. On the whole. Mm-hmm. They played real good in the first period of game two. That was really about it for, like, periods they've outplayed the other team. Like, there's... They're 2-0, and that's great. It's awesome. Wins are fun. That's cool. I've seen nothing in these first two games to lead me to believe that I'm wrong to think this team isn't very good. Now, don't get me wrong. If Carter Hart can hold a 940 save percentage all year, yeah, they could be a playoff team because... 940 save percentages are fucking ridiculous. That means they're going to win every game two to one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, so to, Kelly, I will say I disagree. I think he's been fine. Okay. Fine to quite good. Because I don't think you like luck into a 940 save percentage, especially when in the first period of game one, it was very clear that he was rusty. He admitted he was rusty. So I think he's been good. I think he's had to be good because this team hasn't been that good. I mean, maybe on your spreadsheet he's been good, but I watched the game, Charlie. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know. I was genuinely surprised that they won that Vancouver game. Um, it looked 100% lost to me. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I know they don't look good. I know that I'm ridiculous. But the fact that they were able to come back from a 2-0 deficit is something that this team has not been able to do for quite a long time. Like the entirety of last season. Well, I think for the most part, I think it plays into kind of what we talked about before the season in that like John Tortorella is going to make this team not be a complete embarrassment. Like he is going to have it. So when they go down to nothing, they'd all just collapse like a house of cards and the whole thing or like a Jenga tower, which the whole thing completely falls apart. Like they will be more resilient. They will not completely choke games away nearly as often. They will be fundamentally sound. They will not be blowing line changes. And like that will prevent you from turning a two nothing game into a six nothing game. But it doesn't change the fact that they don't have the talent to actually carry play for 60 minutes. But have you considered collective vibes as a whole <laughs> in a very Disney movie way, just propelling them into success? It has happened before. It has happened before. In Disney if they movies, win, it does if happen. They win, if they win Tampa's home opener, I'm going to be absolutely unstoppable. Right, you are going to have to fire me from this show. This is, <laughs> this is what I really wanted to get to once we talked through some of the other stuff was... Um, does anybody believe that this team might actually be better than we expected? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, but it's I think it depends on it your depends definition on what of your what, ex- what. Yeah, what was your expectation? What was like, your it, expectation? If you came into the season thinking this team was going to be 
trash, awful, lighted on fire, worst team in the league, worse than the Arizona Coyotes, then yes, they are going to be better than that. But I always thought they were going to be better than that. So to me, I've seen nothing to change my expectation because my expectation was that this team was just going to be run-of-the-mill bad. But is run-of-the-mill bad? Like, are, no one's worse than the Coyotes and the Blackhawks. If anyone is, it's because the Blackhawks are actively trying to be. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Is run-of-the-mill bad still, like, bottom five? Yeah. I, I, I say run, but I guess I, I maybe run of the mill bad wasn't the right way to put it because like I don't think run, run of the mill bad maybe is like twentieth in the league. No, like they're they're going to be bad. I don't think this team is good, but I just don't think this team is going to be like embarrassment. You know, I am ashamed to be a fan of this team, and I'm going to spend every waking moment of my life on Twitter screaming at the beat writer bad. Like basically, no, oh no, Charlie, those people aren't going away, Charlie. <laughs> This team could be 10 and fucking 0, and you can't wish this away. I'm sorry, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, so I do not think that I've been wrong about this team. I have been surprised by their early success. Bear wants everyone to know that he has been right about this team this whole time. Um, I've been surprised by their wins. Um, but. You know, we knew that they'd have to win some. The fact that they've just won two in a row is not something I was anticipating, but we knew they'd have to win some. We know that John Tortorella is a good coach. So it's, I'm not going to be surprised when we're in December and they're below 500. No. Um, you know, coming up, the competition stiffens a bit. Uh, <laughs> They sure go to does. Tampa and Florida for back-to-backs. Say they take three out of four points. Would you maybe start to believe that they could be a bubble playoff team rather than like an upper lottery, like mid-lottery team or bottom five? Would you start to think there's maybe even more of a ceiling if, granted, you know, it's it's we're talking about three and four games here, but could you be convinced that they're a little better than even your Top end expectation. I, I, can I jump in here real quick? Because the the podcast listening group does not have the ability to see what I saw, which was the entire time Bill Matz was saying that <laughs> Kelly Hinkle had this gigantic grin on her face <laughs> and is nodding her head like, yes, yes, yes like a fucking Ottawa sicko. Like, yes. Yeah, I am a disgusting <laughs> human being. You're not wrong. If they If they take... Okay, I will, just as I did last year, form a set of very firm, immutable opinions based on the first four games that eventually I will come to regret, but not yet. For now, I'm going to stick to them. If they, I'm just saying, if they win in Tampa, I'm going to be insufferable. So just like, you know, unfollow <laughs> me now. Um, no, I, I, I won't. <laughs> I, I mean, look, look, like yes. they're they're. I I watched practice today. Okay, their <laughs> their fourth line is Nick Delorier, Jackson Cates, Oli Lixell. I am not sure any of those guys are NHL players. Why can't I just get Delorier and Zach Mack? 
Why is he stopping this from happening for me? Just give it to Bill. And their third pair is Nick Sealer and Igor Zamola. And like, I like Zamola, but I'm not sure either of those guys are NHL players. Awesome. That's like, literally, (laughs) that's a third of the lineup. This team ain't good, folks. If I I will just, I will just go back to my point. If this team, like, unless like Sean Gutierrez comes back next week, and Cam Atkinson's fine. Like, if they get the guys back and then the roster looks better, then sure, maybe. But, like, if this team is good, John Tortorella deserves the Jack Adams forever. No. I'm going to be honest with you. Not the Jack Adams. The John Tortorella. The the John Tortorella. Tortorella. (laughs) I feel like he's a lock for it anyway. Because, like, there's enough, like, the turnaround from last year into functional NHL hockey team is like such a It wasn't story. that bad. Come on, no. we're, we're exactly... Shock. We're, it no. wasn't it was that bad. It was this season that Shock. was horrible. They weren't the even the third game. worst team in the league last year. They couldn't do a line check. And they're over the cap! <laughs> and there were still three worst teams who were I trying know, to be yeah, worse. There's no way he's already on the we're, list we're, of Jack Adams. Were they? Not a chance. Montreal was supposed weird. to be bad coming off a cup final appearance. Yeah, they didn't have their goalie or their captain. Yeah, and the Flyers didn't have their number one center, their number one defenseman, and their number two center. Yeah, and no one saw that coming. And no one saw the the, the Habs not having their goalie or their captain either. That was announced, like, right after the playoffs, wasn't it? This is not a competition of pain and suffering for fan bases. This is it's going not. to be the French are out. It's not. Boy. The Jack Adams is about coaching, and this team is still not going to be good. I'm just, even if I'm just saying that the Flyers were bad last year, they were embarrassing. They were not like we've we're retconning this to act like the, it was the like yes. most embarrassing fucking season in hockey history. It's the same way like people were screaming at me three weeks ago because I was like they're not going to be the worst team in hockey this year. I was like, how dare you? It was literally the Mindy Kaling, first of all, how dare you? (laughs) Charlie, you need to start, like, tweeting and retreating. Just, like, send your tweets. Don't read a single tweet. Yeah, probably. Just tweet. No, don't do that. Tweet, log off, log on to the burner, and then enjoy Twitter. They have been... That doesn't build your brand. Don't do that. I would say, Charlie doesn't need to build his brand anymore. He's on a subscription model. He's fine. Uh... If he wants to keep... He's the number oh one God. beat writer since, in the city of Philadelphia. Since the uh, outdoor game against the Bruins, that was that ridiculous fake COVID game that they made them play for some reason. Oh, God. They have been an embarrassment. Now, maybe not worse than, like, Arizona, which is a fake team. They shouldn't exist. But overall, for a fan base that supports a team that likes hockey, they have been, like, the most embarrassing team. They've been embarrassing for us. For us, they're embarrassing. But in terms of the greater the greater league, yes. they were not the worst team last year. They actually started off okay. Uh, yeah, they, they started 4-1-1 one and, one and then lost basically all their games after that. Okay, so we're still, we're two games into this, and we're already saying that he's Jack Adams- <laughs> A lot. This conversation, this this conversation just slow down is all I'm saying. They're I not going to be good enough. They're not going to make I enough said. of an impact to actually be considered a success. This, this conversation started with the question: Could they be better than we expected? And then we got into expectations. But say they are a bubble playoff team. 
I think he's very much in the conversation. Oh, yeah. No, if, if they're, like, down to the last week of the year and they still have a shot at the playoffs, then sure, he'll get votes. He might not win it, but he'll, he might even be nominated. Because, yeah, people expected this team to be bad, without a doubt. And also, never discount the narrative. It's the most important thing with the Jack Adams, if you ask me. Oh, all it absolutely awards, is. All awards voting are narrative because they are voted on by human beings. Some of them are spreadsheet people, but a lot of them are just... Hey, yes, but a <laughs> lot of them are just people who write the narrative. You know, they ask yeah. a question and don't get the answer they wanted, and so they form the quote the way they wanted it anyway. You know who I'm talking about. Uh... Charlie. It so may. Obviously Charlie. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> but that's like that's what a lot of awards voting is in all sports. But they would have yeah. to be like at least somewhat good for Tortorella to get the credit there. Mm-hmm. Uh we got anything else? This team is not gonna be good, and I, I just I'm worried that expectations are really high right now. And I'm just I'm for worried who? about the Everyone wants of them our... to be bad. Like the worst case scenario is they're kind of good. Like, but if you can find me another human being who shares my outlook on this team, I'll give you a thousand dollars. I don't think anyone is as psychotic as me, or at least we'll say it out loud. What I'm saying. First of all, I mean, I don't have mental health, so like, there's nothing to break here. I'm just going to have fair. I'm going to have fun. That's what I'm doing. Doing Okay, we're, we're just doing fun. We're just doing fun. That's and that's the episode title. And Thank that God, is, I don't have to think of yeah, one. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. Boom, content, baby. Uh, I'm gonna do my best to bring you some post games this week. But after the Philly season ends, I guarantee there will be more post games. <laughs> I'll do, like, one this week. Uh, Yeah, but for, uh, all right, that's it. Uh, For Charlie, for Kelly, for Steph, my name's Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!